presented. My name's Kaylee Frost and I'm the Head of Clinical Support at Health Assured. Um, today we're going to be talking about sexuality and supporting LGBTQ plus um, individuals and their health and the mental health and their well-being as well. Um, I'm joined today by Jodie Hughes, the Clinical Support Manager at Health Assured, and Sophie Travis, the Counselling Manager at Health Assured. Hi guys. Hello. You okay? Yeah. Good, good. Uh, well, first of all, what we'll do is I just want you to tell us a little bit about why you're here today, why you wanted to, to join in with this podcast. I think it's such um, a really important topic, especially with Pride Month coming up. Um, I think that we shouldn't just be celebrating and having these conversations one month a year. And I'm sure you guys both agree we need to make this a very natural uh, part of the, the general dialogue when it comes to supporting well-being. So, Soph, why are you here today? <laughs> Um, it's something that personally I'm really passionate about. I Therapy changed my life, counselling changed my life as a member of I'm the LGBT, <laughs> as a member of the LGBT community and also in my private practice I work um, specifically with LGBT youth and adults as well. Amazing. So it's just something that I'm super passionate about and, and have that experience of working with, with the community as well. Amazing well placed to support for this podcast. <laughs> Jodes, why are you here today? Yeah, similar to Sophie, like I've got a personal passionate about this. Um, so I am a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and I it was only a few years ago that I realised that. And I think a few years ago, I would shy away from conversations. I wouldn't know what to say. I would be scared to put my foot in it. Um, and I think since joining Help Assured especially um, and just realising that about myself and just being really proud of it. Um, in the last few months, I have run um, the Undivided group at Help Assured. So it's a majority LGBTQ plus um, group for employees. We have a safe space to talk about things, share like any any issues we're going through, um, awareness piece, education and and I just love speaking about it. Yeah, I'm so you know personally invested in you as well, Jodie. I'm so happy that you know you came forward to to speak on this podcast. It is such a difficult topic, and you know we've worked together for over three years now. Yeah, for three years, yeah. and I've seen the journey that you've been on personally, and it fills me with so much like pride and and, and joy seeing you here. Yeah, you would never have done anything like this as well, let alone speak about such. And what for many people is uncomfortable yeah, topic. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, myself included, I was nervous about speaking like this today. I don't want to say the wrong things or, or like you said, put your foot in it. But we're not going to. We're going to have a very open conversation. Um, it's a an education, an ongoing education piece for me, being in undivided as well uh, with yourself and working in the therapeutic world in the way that we do from the support perspective. Yeah. Um, we get so much more insight into the challenges, into what's out there for people, what's not out there for people. So I didn't even know, Soph, that your private practice was specifically yeah, to support LGBTQ individuals. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Um, how long have you been kind of focusing your private practice on that for? Uh, probably for about two years now. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think I just, I realized that was my niche area. It was something that I was really good at and, and it's yeah. just, I have to close my private practice all the time because I just get flooded really? with 
with clients yeah so when you get so I'm completely not sticking to the questions right now I'm just really intrigued in this uh when you get inquiries and stuff what type uh, you, what what are the types of inquiries that you get so what are people saying to you that they specifically want help with um there's a lot of trauma um so people who have been disowned by their families been kicked out um I get students who their home country um maybe it's illegal to be gay or um the penalty for that is death you know it's quite and they're facing sort of going back home when they finish uni and how they're going to prepare for that after being somewhere a lot more liberal and they've sort of figured out who they are um it really it really ranges substance abuse um you know quite severe anxiety depression um but all with that center focus of figuring out who they are and who they want to be, but how they can keep themselves safe in that because there are, I guess, elements of being part of the LGBTQ plus community that means spaces can be unsafe for us or unsafe for them. And particularly if they are going back to a a different country where the laws are different, um, that piece of work looks very different, you know, because that, that's almost like, okay, figuring out who you are here, but then how can we box that up almost to keep you safe when you go back home? So the international students that you work with, I just find that I never even thought of that being, you know, an area where people are going to need more support, but the UK is a safe place for them, which I feel is bonkers for us. You know, we're like, there's so much wrong yeah. Um, wrongdoing in yeah. in the UK as it sounds, and we're not anywhere near where we should be as as a country, as a nation. Um, I think it's important to recognise that a lot of people are very privileged and have really good experiences, yeah. and then a lot of people aren't. Like for me, I've had such positive experiences, whereas people close to me in, in my life haven't. And it's just educating yeah. myself and and just recognising that. I think. So that's a really good point, actually. And, and it's looking at um, individual experiences. So, you know, we're talking, I'm so fascinated by the fact that you support the international students. I know I keep feel like I'm looping back to that. But they've, they've, they're they they're coming here to a more, they're in, they're in a privileged position coming here, I guess, for them in comparison to what they, they've got in their home country. Like, that's horrific if there's a you know, death penalty for being who they are, for living their life. Um, so they're coming here, but then well, at the same time, there's still so many people here that are influenced by other factors. I imagine things like your upbringing, where you live, where you work, your education, your socioeconomic status will all have an impact on how you go through your journey as an LG in life as an LGBTQ person or individual. Um, and do you? Do you see that so in practice, you know, that someone, but someone could come from, you know, when we think of privileges like money and wealth and affluence, that kind of privilege doesn't necessarily mean they have the best experience going through their journey with their sexuality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really, it really does depend, I think, on, on someone's upbringing and their family and their peers and the community around them. Um, Somebody could come from financially the most privileged background and they can be white and cis and and all of those things, but still their journey to figuring out who they are hasn't been easy. And it's been met every step of the way with judgment, prejudice. And 
And along the way, that's impacted them in in so many different ways that sort of when they come to me, they have so many different manifestations of that psychological distress. So they may be addicted to substances or self-harm or have eating disorders, all of these sort of things that are a violence towards the self because they haven't been accepted to be who they are they're in that struggle to to accept themselves and that's where that sort of that harm towards the self comes in you know in the drug abuse and the substance abuse self-harm and and eating disorders and things like that with those more complex kind of condition situations that people you know are in how do you tend to work with them in in a private practice so you know I guess paint a picture of what that would look like supporting someone um, with more complex needs I guess. So in in the longer term support I because often they'll come to me with the specific issue they'll say um, you know I have I have an alcohol addiction or, or whatever it is and I always say to them I'm not interested in focusing on that addiction because I don't think that's actually the problem I think that's the outlet that's that's what you're doing to get by what I'm interested in is what's going on behind that addiction what's driving that addiction and that's what we're going to look at that's what we're going to focus on Mm. and that's often a place that clients don't want to go to it's painful there's a reason that they're escaping it with with the substance Mm. or or with self-harm whatever it is um but that's where I go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it is a longer term piece of work because it's not something you can rush into because people aren't ready to, you know, it's it's often something they've packed away in a box and pushed way back. And yeah. I'm telling them, go get that box that you've pushed over there 10 years ago yeah, and yeah. bring it to me and let's open it up together. And and that takes time and trust and, and space. Do you work with an, any older individuals where there's any you know adults and, and young people but people that may be now I guess you know maybe 20 30 years on dealing with the issues maybe associated with their journey with their sexuality yeah yeah 100 percent um but that I don't always recognize that that's what's going on so they may come to me like I said with with one particular issue and when we start to unpack everything it's almost like um a caterpillar into a butterfly um they just start to flourish into who they were always meant to be and I don't know who that person was always going to be and they don't we kind of figure it out together but the shift can be so huge how do you so you know both of you you know uh, thank you thank you very much for saying you know you um both identity members of the LGBTQ plus community yourselves, when you're working with individuals that are going, you know, have been through the, the, the majority of the time, very traumatic journey, um, how do you not bring in your own kind of lived experiences, you know, not try and blur boundaries and become too, you know, personally invested in that? So what do you do to separate that? I think as a counsellor, you have to always be really aware of counter-transference. Um, and it takes a certain skill to, to as you're having a conversation with someone, as you're in that therapeutic space, to check in with yourself and go, is this my stuff yeah. or is this their stuff? And almost stop yourself if you feel like you're bringing 
too much of your own curiosity and self into the space because it has to be about them um and it it is something that is constantly ongoing and then I have to sort of take that to my supervision if I ever feel like that's coming up um self-disclosure in therapy it it does have a place but it has to be minimal and it has to be for the client's benefit not your own um so I would only ever share an element of my experience if I felt like it was going to help the client yeah it had to be about the client not just because I wanted to relate to them yeah yeah that must be quite difficult to actually work there's such a fine line there yeah yeah it's a constant navigation I would say yeah yeah you can't I guess you can't ease into like how we're sat here having quite a casual conversation now you have to be so controlled still because it's so easy to get you start oversharing and you know especially if you've got quite a friendly relationship with a client as well um on that in terms of you know putting boundaries in place and not becoming too self too invested in it personally you know with your own emotions I think from a non-clinical perspective you know you and I Jodie definitely um we're very emotionally charged at times, I think. And we just want the best for every single person, whether that's our team members, each other, um, our loved ones, our family. And I know we are both like that. Yeah. Um, and it's very difficult to kind of separate things sometimes. You know, we, from on a, on a daily basis at work, we see the back end of what counsellors are supporting with. So we're reading all these, and I'm not just talking about sexuality and, 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 and matters concerning that, anything that comes through, whether it's a trauma case or a bereavement case, you know, we don't have that skill set that we have not gone through the training as counsellors to put that kind of those boundaries in place. Do you find it quite difficult sometimes? I know I do. Yeah. And even four, four years on, I'm still like, oh my God, you know, yeah. and I struggle to shake that off. I feel like it's been a journey for me as well, like especially in the role that I am. Um, like like you said a few years ago, I was when I first I kind of like realised myself, I was very emotionally charged. And if anyone said anything that was that I didn't agree with and I'd be like, I I would personally get upset and and everything like that. And then I feel like since especially running the undivided group at work, I've come to realise that as long as you look at someone's intentions and look at and stay calm and it's all about education um I've educated myself on things that I had no idea on and it's just about educating other people without that emotional charge behind it because people won't want to learn then after that if so if, if you said something wrong once and someone then came at you and said no that's definitely not right like yeah. how dare you say that you won't ever open up yeah. the conversation again and i think both you and i have been that person yeah, that's going, definitely. Don't, don't say that yeah. like that yeah because we're so invested and we just again we just want to protect people and do what do what's best for them or what yeah. we think is best to protect the wider community it's not on you know us as you know, it's it's not just our responsibility to champion and advocate, yeah. but if we all do it in a uh, an effective way collaboratively, then we're we're, yeah. we're, we're making change. Um, yeah, so I think that it's it's in terms of this kind of boundary piece, not just with clients, so for or, or, or Jody, when it comes to. I guess, loved ones, people that you know personally. Um, how do you switch off being a counsellor in that instance? And Joe's like, how do you try and, you know, be 
a supportive person. So I'm assuming both of you have got individuals in your lives that are also um, part of the LGBTQ plus community um, or have loved ones or friends or know of people that are navigating that themselves. Um, so yeah, circle back to my actual first question. So how do you switch off being a counsellor? How do you become a friend, a, a family member? Um, I'm not always convinced I do. <laughs> I think sometimes I catch myself, you know, I'm the worst for it when I'm drunk. I'm such a oh. drunk counsellor. I'm like, why do I do this? And <laughs> people start to talk to me and I'm like, okay, how does that make you feel? Um, <laughs> but I think I'm more emotionally charged yeah. outside of the counselling room yeah. um, because I don't have that professional hat on yeah. and I get to be quite passionate and I think it's hard not to be emotionally charged you know obviously we do have to remember to have open constructive conversations but I think for me and I always say this you've got a spectrum and on this end of the spectrum you've got a comment a throwaway comment or or an ignorant statement or whatever it is and then on this end of the spectrum you've got people are killed yeah and that's what I say to people I'm like you may feel like for you that was just a statement or for you that was just ig an ignorant sentence but on um, if we don't stop it here yeah how do we stop it here yeah so it's hard not to be passionate. Yeah, yeah, of course. And Jodie, how do you so how do you personally try and support those around you? And like what kind of recommendations would you have? You know, in a non-clinical way. We're not all counsellors. Yeah. So like what do what do you find works for you in terms of helping others? Um I just try and not make it about me at all. And Which I just can be hard, yeah. especially if you're feeling something very similar. Yeah, and I won't ever assume that I understand what they're going through like I have people in my life who are transitioning and I don't pretend to know that they're, what they're going through it's such a complex thing that they're going through and I just try and be an advocate and empower them and and make sure that they know I support them no matter what and and I take that as then me being passionate about trans issues in work and and educating people and yeah I, I just try and as be as supportive as possible. Um, and the people who don't know whether they're in the LGBT community or not, it, it is hard and, and uh, yeah, it's I've been there and it's just about navigating that yourself and just being there to support someone. Yeah. I think the, the whole not making assumptions piece is really, um, is really important. And you can attend as many equality and diversity training sessions and coaching and webinars and you're never gonna understand fully that one person and what they're experiencing yeah. and how that process is for them and I think that it's just an ongoing piece for everyone to self-empower you know to, to empower themselves to educate themselves just so there's a little bit more understanding of another person and their experience what would you say then? So if we think about how other people can support, we could probably talk about this for hours and hours, all the different ways that like you can help someone, whether you're an employer helping an employee, whether you're a colleague at work wanting to help someone, whether you're in university, college, something like that. And you know that there are individuals that are perhaps struggling and they, you, you need to start, I guess, to, to broach this with them they've not necessarily come to you going I'm having issues you know 
coming out or uh, figuring out who I am or what my sexuality is or I'm having issues with homophobic comments or or, or whatever that may be. But you know, you've got an inkling that someone is struggling. How do you start and open those conversations? So if I'll go to you first. I was like (laughs) looking at you both. Um, I think it's important to remain open and non-judgmental in every interaction we have um, and without making assumptions it's offering that space so and reflecting to people so saying I've noticed you're not yourself recently or I've noticed this about you is everything okay um, I want you to know this is a safe confidential space um, you know I'm here for you if, if you need me and just open open in that space and trust in that person to enter that space when they're ready. You know, we can't pull things out of people. We can't force things out of people. And But letting them know that we're there and, and we can support. The, the patience is really key there. You've got to be patient with this person. And that's with any kind of, any concern that you have over a loved one or someone that you know and or work with or whatever. You know, if you know that they're perhaps struggling with a breakup or a bereavement or a traumatic event, it's, you've, they've got, they've got to be, safe and certain and ready to yeah. offload and share that their experience with you yeah absolutely have you got any top tips jodes um i'd say so in my team at work like i am such an open book like i speak about everything and everything with them um and i feel like because i am so open about things about my own struggles about my own experiences and i'd say i'm pretty open in work as well in general yeah. We're oversharers. Yeah, we're very oversharers. We're an open book. And I feel like because I am like that, my team and, and people around me are more likely to not come to me, but come to anyone. And they just feel like it's an open, safe space to be able to talk about things. And that's at the very least anyone can do and just make sure that people know they are in a safe space, especially at work. Yeah. Um, it can be such a daunting thing to even mention the word LGBT that in work. And I feel like, if you know that you are safe, like speaking about things, like it would be such an empowering experience to be able to to know that you are safe in work. Well, this so that like being so being open about sexuality outside of work, I believe I feel in many instances for many people is much easier, especially if you're um, you know, you're surrounded by open and accepting individuals perhaps um you know might be a member of lgbtq plus community themselves yeah. or you know we're an ally you know you love and trust your, your friends and 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 in some instances in many instances that you know supportive family members around you as well when it comes to a structured setting whether that's in academic setting or a work setting people are worried about the stigma that's still attached with coming out for example or identifying as gay lesbian trans you know whatever that might be because of the all the historic connotations with how individuals have been treated in the past so with that you know we at health sure we've obviously got undivided which is for all things you know edi um sexuality race religion disabilities creating that open forum for discussion do you think that every workplace should have something and every kind of school I know you're going to you're going to yeah Yeah. straight away (laughs) do you think it's really beneficial to have something like that and have a safe place for employees internally yeah a hundred percent yeah I think it it should be everywhere schools universities employment I think we're 
really fortunate at Health Assured. We have such a diverse office yeah, yeah. Um, and really diverse management as well. Yeah. And that kind of sets the scene for that safe yeah, space for everyone. Yeah. And um, I think it's one of the most queer spaces I've ever worked. Is it? Really? Yeah, and yeah. I, I've worked a lot in hospitality, which is kind of renowned yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of like a corporate space, um, I think Health Assured really have nailed it. I think a lot of that comes from, you know, it wasn't an overnight thing. Mm -hmm. um, it is a culture change and a shift in attitudes. And I think that workplaces, school settings, you know, whatever that might be, don't expect an overnight change. Um, it has to come from so many different areas within within an organisation, within an institution or a service. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why you, I think it's been really important from us in the management team as well to really drive that and champion that as well. Because if people like all well, the senior members of our organisation are championing this and advocates, yeah. you know, this is... Because again, people have this... this there's the stigma this is perception of us v them you know the those at the top don't give two hoots about who we are as people not just from a sexuality standpoint and there's still a lot there's still a lot that we can do you know absolutely there's always things that um that so many organizations so many settings you know whatever settings can can work on but i think i really think like i mentioned at the start one of the key things is to not just celebrate sexuality once a year you know one month yeah, yeah. that needs to be a constant yeah, yeah. part of an agenda in, in a setting you know in school you need work yeah and we are really privileged to work where we do where people are safe and yeah, and be yeah. able to speak about it but unfortunately for a lot of people they aren't because of, of that lack of awareness and education so I think I was reading the other day that two in five trans employees have, have experienced harassment and abuse at work and it's still going on to this day. So it is about yeah. really realising that this is still going on. And it's up to everyone to be able to to, to be aware of that and, and educate ourselves on it. I, I, I always think that, so when I first started in the health and wellbeing industry, like four or five years ago, there was all this like stigma attached to individuals talking about their mental health, their sexuality, what their their own experiences now there's been so much around empowering individuals it's every you know social media is full of um that dialogue and that content from the individuals and their lived experiences the stigma is now on how people respond yeah. and acknowledge and work and support and advocate for that would i think that's a fair statement would yeah. you agree yeah. yeah there's still a lot more that can be done for individuals that aren't confident or don't feel like it's safe for them to disclose or yeah. come out yeah. or share it, you know, their, their own experiences. But I think we've come a long way just in the space of four or five years. And I think the advent of, you know, us living in a digital world has massively helped with that, yeah. but still a yeah. long way to go. And just when I was thinking about the, the stat that you said about two and five, trans people, that's of the people that came forward for that yeah. survey. Yeah. Think of all the people that, will do not feel like they can ever come out and openly transition yeah. which is really sad like that's you know and it's disappointing that that's where we are but I think then I think about the people that you work with Sophie like we still got a lot of work, work to do in the UK but we're light years ahead of countries where it is illegal yeah. to like 
I just, I still can't, that just boggles yeah. my brain. We, we were speaking about it when we was coming here, like, we have to think about where we're going on holiday. Yeah. I, you know what, I was about, I was thinking that one of my best friends, she's married to a woman, but they can't yeah. go, they really want to go and see the pyramids. They couldn't go as a married couple. Yeah. They couldn't go as wives together to Egypt because they would be arrested, which is obscene and it's yeah. abhorrent. Yeah. And then that shouldn't be a problem that you guys have to have when you're just planning your your holidays. It's horrific. Yeah, no, there's parts of the world that we'll never, well, I hope we'll be able to go to one day, but as it stands, we can't go ever. Way too dangerous. And people I don't know about you but people have conversations with me like oh you should go here on holiday we've just been and it's fantastic and I have to go I'll die if I go there like <laughs> yeah, yeah, very yeah, seriously yeah. I, I couldn't and their face drops because they haven't even thought about it um but it's, it's true yeah yeah I think that's something that many people don't even think about no yeah absolutely like Bonkers. You know, when you work, I'm still so fascinated, sorry. Mm. You know, when you work with the individuals, like international students or people that come over to UK, uh, do any of them just decide, you know what, no, I'm not going back. I'm going to set up my life here and, and actually live a fruitful life? So some students, if they can, yeah. yeah. But obviously our immigration laws are really oh, strict now. Um especially I think they changed the minimum earning and, and things like that. So that's really put a barrier in place for a lot of these students. You know, if they didn't um, do a degree in, in a healthcare role, if they're a nurse or something like that, it's quite easy for them to, to stay. But if they haven't, the choice, there isn't much choice for them. They, they have Which to Which leads, leads into its own other issues with mental health, you know, the anxiety of going back home, the it almost feels like all the work that they've done with you would then be undone because they've got to revert back three or four years to who they were before. It's about, I think the work is about how do they hold on to themselves in a safe way. So some of them, um, you know, got a tattoo. It's illegal for them to get a tattoo, but they got a tattoo on a, on a part of their body that no one will see so that whenever they're struggling, they can look at it and remind themselves no, I, I am this person yeah. and, and one day I will be in a different place that will be safe for me. It's those tiny little things that kind of are to hold out hope, I guess, for them. So fascinating. And this it was completely not the direction that <laughs> I was planning this conversation to go at all. Um, I think to, I mean, we could very clearly talk about this for such a long time. Um, I think what I'll do is we'll loop back to you two if you're okay with this and and just ask if you're willing to share any of the struggles that you've had personally with your with your own well-being and um mental health in your life you know and how I mean you don't have to go into too much detail if you don't want to if you'd be comfortable to share you know what some of those struggles were and how you personally kind of work through them I'm not saying necessarily you might have overcome them now it might still be stuff you're working on um but yeah, if you're comfortable to share that, I think that'll be a really good, good yeah. piece. Yeah, Jodes, do you want to go for that? Yeah, um, so in terms of um, within the LGBT community, I've, I've had very positive experiences. I've never had any struggles. Um, I've had um, counselling before, but it's never been 
towards the LGBT community. It's never been about me being in that. Um, but yeah, in terms of myself, I feel very lucky and very privileged that I've never had to struggle with coming out or, yeah. or being part of the community. I, I've had such positive experiences and I'm so proud of saying that. Like, I'm so proud of it being in work, um, my friends and my family, my partner. Yeah, I'm very proud of it. Good. That's, that's a, a really, and it do, that's not the same for everyone. And, yeah, and you acknowledge definitely. that, and, and that's really good that you're aware of that. Yeah. But still, absolutely embrace it and like yeah. bask in that because not everyone has that great experience. Yeah. So and that's we were amazing. Saying, um, before that, we are lucky. Like we are, as we say, like straight looking cis yeah. white women. Like we are privileged to be able to yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like I think for some people, it's quite obvious that they're a part of the LGBT plus community. It's it's very external. They don't have a choice to to share it or not share it. Whereas I think what me and Jody were saying is, we do have that choice. Um, yeah. And if we don't feel safe to share that, we don't have to. Yeah. Um, and that can help protect us, I guess, from some of the the not very nice things that do happen, which is awful that it shouldn't be that way but it that you have that protective factor is 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 great but it shouldn't have to be that way and we we all know that no not at all um and it doesn't mean that I guess we don't see that and we don't um advocate against it I mean I was telling Jodie my girlfriend um people have spat at her in the street really yeah people have you know I think she's been beaten up a couple of times when she's younger um people have you know, said some really awful things to her, and and I haven't had th- those experiences, but I know that that she has. That's absolutely horrific. Yeah, and that's in the UK, which weirdly is a much safer place than many countries. In the, which, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the self sof. Is there any any particular challenges that that you've had in relation to your your sexuality and and, and linking with your well being at all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> almost like I don't know where to start. I think I'm <laughs> a bit older than you. So I, when I was at school and, and when I was growing up, it was still really homophobic. Yeah. Um, I think it's changed and shifted a lot now, but it was not acceptable. It wasn't talked about, um, you know, sex education was heterosexual. There was yeah. absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, and so all the messages that myself and my gay peers had was that it was wrong and it and it wasn't acceptable and and there was nothing to counteract that there was nothing in the media there was nothing anywhere to suggest that that wasn't the case um and I remember my form tutor when in about year eight so I was what about 12 saying um being gay is wrong because if everyone was gay there would be no children ever born and I was what 12 13 at this point and so impressionable and and you're like yeah you know this is an adult that I look up to and admire and and they've said something quite logical and and it's those messages I mean now that teacher would probably be fired but back then he was allowed to say that and it was just a thing that that kind of was said and then we all moved on so I think for me it never felt safe to come out did you not come out at school? No. No, 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 no. No. And to the point where I think I pushed it so far down, I didn't even acknowledge that I 
wasn't straight. Okay. Um, Which I think then manifested into a lot of issues. So um, eating disorder, anxiety, depression. I used to party a lot. So from a very young age, like 14, 15, out every night or out every weekend at least. Um, And it was a really like, you know, toxic, messy cycle. You know, my mental health was just really bad, but it had been, it always had been bad. So I never really knew any different. I don't think I realized, it's only looking back now, I think, oh God, you know, poor baby me. Um, And like I said, I had therapy and it it changed my life. Um, I'll forever be in in debt to my therapist. You know, she was an amazing, beautiful human being. And and if I hadn't have had that, you know, long-term sort of like healing work, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't be where I am now. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm sure, like you said, where would you start? You could talk yeah. so much for that with that. And, and so thank you very much, both of you, for sharing. I think I can, you know, the, um, the the whole school piece. I think we probably would have gone to secondary school at a similar time, yeah. I reckon. And I went to an all girls school. Um, immediately, you, you can think, you know, all the types of things that were said. And there were two two classmates of mine that everyone had suspected were more than best friends again we really didn't fully understand and the the d word would be thrown around constantly um and they were completely ostracized and they were slightly quirky i mean i was quite a quirky person i made friends with every i'm that was my protective factor i got in with every group so that i had allies you know everywhere um but these two were more artsy and a bit kooky or what everyone perceived as you know just you know not normal high school girls I guess you're not wearing their like playboy hoodies and with their the bench bags and stuff like that uh and they just didn't fit that mold now that you know fit in with society fit in um but they were completely ostracized and when I think back like people were absolutely awful and the stuff that was said things that were throat like thrown at them, they had stuff thrown at them constantly. There was graffiti in toilets about them, about these two people. And, you know, it was an all-girls school with 800 girls in. There was probably more same-sex relationships happening, you know, behind closed doors. But because of how openly attacked these two were, no one would have ever, ever wanted to kind of open up about who they were. Very small town as well, very narrow-minded um there's a lot it's a very problematic town in general uh there's like no no people of color in in, in my hometown and stuff you know so it's an awful place to be I don't think it's probably moved on too much probably you know yeah. in the last 20 years since I was in school um so yeah can can relate to that and it's mad because I don't know about you but school only feels about five years ago yeah quite <laughs> horrendous to realize yes <laughs> more that like was, 20 yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um Okay, brilliant. Well, I mean, like I said, we could probably carry on talking about this, I feel. Yeah, it's like an all-day Yeah, it is, it? isn't it? <laughs> it is. Um, but I mean, before we kind of close off, have you guys got any any kind of final remarks, anything that you want to, to kind of get out there for anyone that's listening? Just, I think, if anyone is struggling, reach out, reach out for that support. Yeah. Um, whether that's friends, family your EAP, EAP literally yeah. Yeah, I mean I haven't yeah. even done a plug for health assured in this because <laughs> uh, we've just been you know having you know, a really good conversation but absolutely even if it's not ourselves that you know EAP is there 24 7 
many other supports, um, many other organisations as well, there's support and there's lots of information if anyone is listening um, on the Health Assured website, on the My Healthy Advantage app as well. But it's a safe place when you call the likes of ourselves. You know, I can talk about any other EAP as well, you know, um, if you don't use Health Assured, um, speak to someone soon, you know, if you can. And then if you don't even know how to navigate where you're going from there, a counsellor will be able to be your first port of call with that and help you with that journey. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, um, we are very lucky to be able to, to talk about things and um, I think there's been a lot of media representation in the last few years that's really positive so uh, one that sticks out for me is sex education like that is such good representation and I feel like it gets people talking like we talk about it all the time in my team and and things like that so it's just well done to everyone that that be able to to make things we've like just that. come on so far yeah we? just in the space in, of a few years yeah in the last five years yeah I would say. and it's as well like gay characters are being played by gay people yeah, yeah, yeah trans yeah. characters yeah. are being played by trans people and that's just come so far and yeah 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 it's amazing bro well, thank you so much guys it's really fun thank you for having me yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay